Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I'm just grateful to be here today. We are right smack dab in the middle of this series called Noise Canceling. And what we are taking a look at is how does God speak and what does it look like and how do we know when it's actually happening, but really wrestling with this main question of do regular people, and I think I'm kind of a regular-ish person, do regular people really hear from God? Do they really hear from God? And in week one, we looked at how we hear from God through Jesus, through the life of Jesus, not just the words that he spoke, but the life that he lived. Week two, we looked at how we hear from God through the scriptures, this this actual book right here in which we all have been given as a gift that we can actually open up and see the written word of God. By the way, sometimes when we use this language, hey, I really want to get into the word, I think God is way more concerned about getting the word into you. And that's what last week was about. And so if you missed last week, you actually want to go back because it's not about just simply understanding and reading and studying the Bible, but it's what it looks like to have this word come into your life and then permeate different avenues of your life, hopefully all of your life. And so this morning, you're probably wondering, what's the, what's the slice of the pie? How, what are we going to look at today? I'm so glad that you're asking these questions. <laughs> what we're going to look at today is, is when and why God sounds like someone else. So essentially, how do we see God speak through other people? And how do we see God speaking through you? You. You know that you can be an instrument of God's voice. If you don't believe me, hopefully I can convince you by the end of this. And if you don't believe me, then you're just out of luck. But how do we, how do we see God speak through other people, which is you included? But here's the big disclaimer I have as we go into this morning. The big disclaimer is that there's a reason why we are unpacking this series in this particular order. Like I said, week one was about Jesus. Week two was about the scriptures. Week three is about us. There is an order of importance in which we are unpacking the scriptures. Because number one, we start with Jesus. Why do we start with Jesus? Because you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. We wouldn't be gathered here. And in fact, when we open up the scriptures here, when you look at the writings of Paul, who wrote a big chunk of your New Testament, it all points back to Jesus. Paul always takes his cues from Jesus. He's not simply making things up. And when we open up our Old Testament, which can be kind of weird and hard to understand, one thing that is for sure is that it all points to Jesus. So we start with Jesus. When we hear from God, it's always starting through the lens of Jesus. Number two, then we go to Scripture. Why? Because it's right here, folks. It's here. It's right here in front of me. You know, I can open this up and read it. And the words, and the words are right here. And I can actually pray through the Scriptures 
And God has given us his written word as a gift and says, this is what I would say to you, kid. Sometimes if you feel like you have not heard from me in a long time, when was the last time you picked this book up and spent time with me here? So we start from those two places. So if you've missed any of the last few weeks, make sure to jump back online, watch any of the previous messages, or download the Church, the church Center app. That's a great way to, to catch up. So here we go. We are going to rock and roll. But just remember the order of importance in which we filter and hear God and the way that God speaks is important. And you'll see why in this particular message today. Um, I'm a person, uh, if you know anything about me, you'll know how much I'm passionate um, about cooking. I just love, I love everything about it. I love the process of it. I love, I love learning new things. I'm, I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about people and cooking. And, you know, as I started getting into cooking, I started getting into these little bad boys over here. Check these things out. Well, they're heavy. Uh, these are called cookbooks. And uh, these are some of my favorite uh, chefs and restaurants. I have a lot more at home. Here we have Molly Boz. She's great. She's very accessible. Key Spock, I want to go here for my birthday. It's a restaurant I haven't been to. But what I can do with these cookbooks, Brad Leone right here, what I can do with these cookbooks is not only open up these books and find recipes and uh, find out how to make something and find techniques, but what is also in these books is the story of the chef or the restaurant, and it is also their story, it's their heart, you kind of get a glimpse of who they are. And I can open up these cookbooks anytime that I want and learn something about them. I can learn about where they've been and what inspires them, and then I can take some of these beautiful pictures and recipes and make them myself, which I've done from time to time, and it's really great, but you know what? Sometimes it's a lot of work to dig through this. And I don't, need, I don't even know if I'm totally getting it right. So what do I do? Google. Close. Siri. YouTube. Yes, I turn to YouTube. Yes. Who is the type of person to where you're like, I don't want to read anything. I'm just going to YouTube something. Like we bypass, we bypass Google. Like uh, there was something that was going wrong with my truck and this one light kept going off and I'm like, oh, I think this is an error. And I looked up some articles and I'm like, I'm just gonna YouTube this thing. And of course there's a nice three minute video of a guy on YouTube explaining it. So I'm an avid, like let's bypass Google and go straight to YouTube because I can go and look up these chefs and see actually how they're doing it and how they really make this recipe. And then there's a step further if you if you ever come across this with your friends, or maybe, or maybe like you have a you have a Filipino auntie who has showed you this, but sometimes then we get to learn one on one with somebody. I remember when my when my auntie Nem taught me how to roll lumpia. It was very difficult, and I kept messing up. But one on one, we learn something differently. Sometimes we may learn it quicker. Sometimes we see more of the nuance of it. And sometimes we pick up things that are still in this book, still in the book, still in the written words. It's still 100% accurate, but seeing it demonstrated for us helps us to maybe pick it up quicker and see it played out better. 
And so there have been pivotal points in my walk with Jesus to where it felt like God sent somebody my way. Most of the time it was a friend to give me a little nudge or a word to point me in a certain direction in which I needed to hear. I have a friend named Sam, known him for a while. He's not that much older than me, but he's always been freakishly wise. He's, I remember him being 23, 24, and he seemed like 123, 124. He's always just been like, like strangely wise. And uh, we were having coffee one time, and I was kind of at a, a crossroads in my life. Um, this was a, a while ago, and I was wondering, you know, should I take this job at this place, or should I stay at this other place, and whatnot. Very casually, Sam goes, uh, so do you know, the, you know the story of Abraham and Lot in the Bible? And, uh, and I said, the, the thing is, I knew the story, but I said no, because I wanted to hear what Sam had to say, of course. So Sam says, well, you know, Jeff, there's a, there comes a point where God is going to divide the land between Abraham and Lot. And Abraham speaks up and he says, you know what? You can just take whatever land that you want because no matter where I go, essentially, I know that I'm blessed. And so Sam didn't pull out his Bible. He didn't start quoting the Bible, but I double-checked him to make sure he wasn't wrong. So Genesis 13, 9, this is, uh, this is Abraham saying, is not the whole land before you, so let's part company. He's saying this to Lot. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go to the right, I'll go left. Why did Abraham, and this is Sam saying this to me, so these are not my wise words. These are his that I'm stealing. Why did Abraham, Jeff, why did Abraham just say, hey, it's fine, whatever land you want to take? Because he knew that it was not the land that was blessed. It was him. It was Abraham. So no matter where I go, that's where the blessing is. It's not the destination or the location or where or when you get to this certain place that that is going to reap the blessing of your life. You know what's blessed? You. You're blessed. So guess what, Jeff? Where you show up, that's where it will be blessed. It's not the destination. You need, you need to know that it's you. Stop looking out there to the location. He didn't get all preachy like, me, like this. He was very soft-spoken. But I started realizing, man, God is with me. So it gave me the courage to make the decision that I made. And that decision ended up uh, being wonderful and led to a whole new season and chapter in my life. But here's the point. Do I believe that God spoke to me through Sam in that moment? Yes, I do. So let's dig into the scriptures just so you know that Sam didn't get lucky and uh, said something that I just needed to hear. Uh, so we just have to put on our, our Bible study cap for a hot second, like about seven, eight minutes. And then uh, I'll tell some more stories to hopefully make this come to life. Uh, but if you ever look at your, your Bible and your New Testament particularly, uh, the original language of the New Testament is written in Greek. So it's not in English, right? Sorry to disappoint you guys, but it's written in Greek. It's translated over into English. And uh, when we look at the word, word, in the New Testament, when we look at the word, word, 
in the New Testament, it's translated into two different Greek words, okay? So what are those Greek words? I'm so glad you're asking these questions. The very first and most common of the word is logos. This refers to, this is very important, this refers to the constant written word of God and to Jesus, who is the living word. So logos is referred to the constant written down word of God and to the person of Jesus. So really practically, the Bible software that I have on my computer and my iPad that I use to study the scriptures and have commentaries and all this and that, the program is called Logos because it's referring to this God's written word and the study of it. Or we see it in the person of Jesus. You guys following me so far? One word, Logos, can be split into two meanings. You with me? Yes. Thank you. Classroom participation. Wonderful. Great. Gives me confidence. Okay, let's keep moving on. So where do we see this? John 1 verse 1 this is a very familiar passage. If you're a Christian or if you read your Bible, the first thing in John, what does he say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here we see the Word translated to Logos, which is referring to what? It's not God's written word, it's Jesus. In the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Let's look here in Luke chapter 8, 11. This is the parable of the sower, and here it says this. This is the meaning of the parable, so this is towards the end of the parable, and Jesus is actually giving some people some answers for a change, which is nice. Uh, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So when he was talking about the seed earlier in the parable, the seed is referred to, this one is actually the written word of God. Are you tracking with me so far? Great, let's keep moving on. Philippians 2.6, this is something that Paul writes. Uh, sorry, 2.15, excuse me. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So here he's referring to Jesus. He's referring to Jesus. One more scripture. I love this one. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Here we see this is the written constant word of God. You may be wondering, okay, I got the logos. What's that second word though? I'm so glad you asked. The second lesser known of these two Greek words is a word called rema, rema, which is used to refer to the instant personal speaking of God literally translated utterance. So here we have logos, written down constant and or referring to Jesus. Here we have rema, which is the personal speaking of God. So it's the words that, the words that people actually literally will hear from God that is spoken to them. Let's look at these scriptures that you can find them, but I just pulled out a few. Uh, this is Luke 1. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be to me according to your word. And the angels departed from her. Sorry, I've got to fix my microphone. I'm getting all tangled because I'm getting excited. All right. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Acts, chapter 11. Luke also wrote Acts. Luke Acts. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the spirit. So he's recognizing that something was spoken to him. Uh, book of John. This is Jesus talking. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words which I have spoken, not written down, but uttered, that came out of my mouth. Uh, the words which I have spoken to you are spirit and life. See, it is by rema, this word rema, that we can know God subjectively. Subjectively within our own personal experience. Now, both logos and rema are crucial to the Christian life. Why? God uses his logos word to speak his rema word to us. And God's living instant speaking always corresponds and never contradicts his written word. It always corresponds and never contradicts. Guys, this is where a lot of Christian folks can get in trouble, especially people that hold the stage and that say, God has plans for your life, Jeff. It's a 1972 mustard yellow Ford Bronco. and That's, he's, what, I'm that's what I'm talking about. And, but here's the problem with that. That's not in the scriptures. I would love for it to be, but it's not found in the scriptures. It's not found in the scriptures, right? And so this is where we have to measure up the words that are being spoken to and what we see in the scriptures. Did Sam do that accurately? Yes, he did that for me. If this is, a, if this is kind of a tricky concept for you to uh, grab onto, let me give you another cooking analogy because I know everybody here likes good food. Let's say... Let's say that I had a beautiful, let's say, 30-day dry-aged bone-in ribeye, like my favorite, right? <laughs> Let the preachers preach right now. 30-day dry-aged bone-in ribeye, right? With that, you can cook it. With that, you can cook it, and that will give you the, the nutrients and the substance that you need. It will feed you. But you have no seasoning, no salt. But in and of itself, in and of itself, it has everything that you need to sustain you and sustain your life. But add some seasoning on it. I just need salt, but whatever you want. You want a you know, coffee rub, whatever it is. Add some seasoning on it. What does that do? It can bring out the flavor more. And it can make it more digestible and palatable for you to continue to consume it. It doesn't take away from the nutrients. But here's the other thing, though, too. You cannot simply live on salt. You can't. 
There's no nutrients for it. This is why, you guys, this is why I said the first two weeks, we start with Jesus and his word because I hope that at the end of our time unpacking this series that you would find yourself in this word a little bit more because this is what you need to sustain you. It's not a message from me. It's not a preaching from Chris. It's not a podcast. It is you in your life opening this up and spending time with God. All of that stuff is great, and it might help you digest it more. It might help you understand it. It might help you be more palatable. And in the way that Sam did for me, it was an aha. But we still need this as well. So how does Rema play into God using other people to speak to you? Or even God using you to speak to others. How does Rema play into that? What does it say here in John 14, 26? Jesus says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. And then Paul will write this in 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are a temple for the Holy Spirit and God dwells in you? So Jesus leaves the scene, sends us the Holy Spirit and says, guess what? Now that I have paid the price for sin, you now have relational access to me, but I've also sent you somebody. It's the Holy Spirit. It is the same Holy Spirit that has been moving for ages and ages. And where does he live? In you, in you, he dwells within you. He speaks through you. He speaks to you. It's here. The temple is not something out there. God's presence is not something out there that we have to do all these rituals and, 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 and different ceremonies to get. It's here. It's you. It's within you. And you are a temple for the Holy Spirit. So that means that God can and will use you. He will to speak his truth and what he may need to say and what needs to be heard to somebody else. This is why the church is all part of the plan, folks. And you're in the church. Welcome to the plan. God, through his Holy Spirit, will help you speak his words to others. Here's the big idea of today's message. God uses the wisdom of those around you to interpret and confirm what he's saying to you. God uses the wisdom of those around you to interpret and confirm what he's saying to you. Here it says this in Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 1 Corinthians 14.3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. I was very tempted to just do the whole message on 1 Corinthians 14. It's so good, but I think it would have gotten a little lost because Paul essentially is talking about in all of 1 Corinthians 14, because uh, I know we can trip up on this word prophesize. You're like, oh, this is going to start getting weird and mystic, and is Jeff going to start predicting the future? No. <laughs> right? 
because that's sometimes what we think. But what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 14, back in the day, the, the, the people were really into being religious, and they loved to, to flaunt their relationship with God and their religiosity about God and how personal their relationship with God. And so they would flaunt it, and they would, they, would, they would speak in tongues. And this is the language that I'd use to talk to God. But what Paul says, because what the word prophesies here really means, it is to declare God's heart and truth to a person or a situation. Sometimes that has future implications, yes. But many times, the prophetic is being able to speak on behalf of God with his will and his heart and his truth in that alignment. That's why it's also under, important to understand the word a little bit. So what Paul does in this is he's saying, man, you guys are so tripped up over how we are in our own personal relationship with God. This is what I would rather do. I would rather prophesy to the church, which means to like encourage them and to speak God's will in his heart to them. I would rather utter five words to my brothers and sisters in the church than say a thousand to my heavenly father. Because he's speaking about the importance of it. So, when God speaks to someone through someone else, it should always strengthen and encourage and comfort them. It's about building them up, not tearing them down. But here's my caveat. That does not mean that God's word may be hard to hear or even painful. Jesus said we would be pruned. But the word of God may convict you, but there's a big difference being broken down by love and conviction, not being beaten up and belittled or punished. God's not in the business of doing that, folks. He did that for you on the cross. He took care of that. His word is to encourage you. What does courage mean? It means to infuse with courage. But sometimes the journey may be hard or painful or convicting to hear but encouragement nonetheless. I have another story I want to share with you. I knew this guy, uh, still know him, I knew this guy. Uh, I know this guy, Brady, uh, he's been in my life for a while. He's, uh, he's about 20, 25 years older than me. And uh, one day, Brady and I, very casually, we're just catching up. And um, he says, I don't even know how it came about. He said to me, Jeff, you may be somebody's best chance of them experiencing Jesus or even hearing about the gospel. You may be their best chance. And I said, okay, that's nice, <laughs> you know. Um, and to be honest, you know, uh, my relationship with my mom is a little complicated. You know, she's made poor decisions in her life that um, has caused her to move away from God. A lot of poor decisions have been made outside of her control that have also caused her to move away from God. And so she's kind of been on this trajectory of like moving away from God. And then as I was growing up, I started actually having a relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and I would never want to ever bring up Jesus to her. Not even talk to her about Jesus, but I wouldn't even want to talk to her about what Jesus is doing in my own life. Like to say that I resisted it would be an understatement. <clears throat> and so I avoided it at all costs at every single turn. And then all of a sudden, 
the words in which I believe was God using Brady start permeating in my mind and heart. Jeff, you may be somebody's best chance of hearing the gospel or them even experiencing Jesus. Oof. And so resisted, resisted, resisted. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. We'll start talking to my mom about God, be loving, be kind, you know. And so when, when my mom and I would get together, it was just like, so what do you think God is up to? Where do, you, do you see God moving in any of that way? You know, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? And then the next step, because, I mean, it's almost embarrassing to tell you. Uh, I just actually decided to really start praying for her. And, and not the, that's nice to hear, Mom. You know, I'll pray for you, you know, and then do it later and then do it for, you for a few days. But when it would come up, if I felt the stirring in my heart of like, oh, man, this is like weird time, just pray for her right then and there. So a few different times she would share something. I'd be, Can I just pray for you? You know, and, you know, she hasn't, her life hasn't done a 180 or anything like that. Uh, and it's definitely a journey. But it's one of those moments where, man, Brady said that. And for some reason, God through his spirit kind of kept that with me. And it's just nudged me, given me a little bit of that courage to take a step towards actually talking about Jesus. How do I see that in alignment with the scriptures? Be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, as Paul writes. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And you know what I was saying for a long time? I don't want to give an answer. I have the hope. I don't want to give an answer. Here's the, here's the application of today's message. Really practically, then I'll drill it down even more practically, and hopefully you can take something away from it. Share with a Christian. You respect something you feel God saying to you, and apply what I would call the EBC filter to them. Is it encouraging, biblical, and Christ-like? Why or why not? And remember, encouragement means to instill or to spur on with courage. So if I'm encouraging you, I'm helping to hopefully fill you up with a sense of courage. And what should courage always do? Courage should not just sit still in one place. Courage should move in a direction towards action and change. So what does that look like for me in the context with my mom? It's time to actually start praying for her when, when it feels like it's stirring up. Action and change towards a direction, okay? Now, how do we filter this even more practically? Because what if I get some weirdo at church that wants to give me a word of knowledge or say, thus saith the Lord? What happens if things start getting weird? I'm so glad you asked that question too. You guys are great question askers. Number one, weigh it out. Number one, weigh it out. That is okay to do. Also, it's okay to weigh out the messenger too. I told you guys stories of people that I've known for a long time and that have relational equity with me. But I've also been at church, not this church, but I've also been at church to where I've gone to the front uh, for prayer and somebody laid their hand on me and they, they prayed over me and it was really powerful and great and they affirmed a lot of things that God was doing. But I've also been to the same church in the same context where somebody put their hand on me, started praying over me, and I turned to them and just said, oh, that's not accurate. <laughs> Can you imagine being that person? They're like praying for me and I just turn, oh, no, well, that's not true, but okay, you know. <laughs> 
I mean, I said it a lot nicer than that, but basically was, basically, and, and they approached it in a very nice way. They didn't say God said or God is saying. They just said, hey, this may just be me or this may be from God or, but, you know, here's da-da-da. And I say, okay, yeah, that is from you. But that's okay. Weigh that out. Weigh it out. Weigh it out. Who it's coming from actually matters. Who it's coming from actually matters. And by the way, what Brady and Sam or even Chris Kretzu, or Moses, what they will say to me carries a bit more weight than what you will say to me. Sorry to hurt your feelings. Okay? I know. So weigh it out. Number two, wait on it. Sometimes when God will speak to you, when you get that rema, when God may speak through somebody else, it, it may just be for something for later. When Brady spoke that, it was years later. For some reason, it stuck with me. I have other instances that I have notes on my phone with one in particular I won't share. It's a little wacky. But I didn't see it come to fruition until eight years later. So wait on it. That's okay. Waiting is an answer to prayer. Not yet is an answer to prayer. Yes, no, not yet, Jeff. Number three, walk in it. This is where you need to take a step and actually do something about it. Guys, God's words are kind of just for nothing if you're not doing it, anything with it. So walk in it. Last story, then I'm going to land the plane and wrap up our time. In 2016, in 2016, uh, I, was, I, was, um, I was in Colorado Springs and I was with this team and we were putting on a, we were putting on a conference. We're putting on a conference um, for a group of people, and what we were doing was we were kind of creating this prayer experience where we built all these different prayer stations, and it was kind of creative and this and that, and we actually had to build these things. And uh, have you ever been in the boat to where um, you're helping to create something or put on an event or be a like or be a part of something or whatever, and then when you actually get to the actual event? It's hard to actually enjoy it and kind of be present. Is anybody, yeah, has anybody been in that boat? So that's me to the T. Like even if, I, even if I'm making food for a lot of people, I can't even eat the food that, that I've made. Um, so here I am at this event. And so, and so here I am at this event. And, uh, and of course, the person putting on the event, the lady in charge says, okay, staff, Let's have you guys go through the prayer experience because I want you to experience everything that everybody else is going to experience. So here I am, Mr. Poor Attitude. Okay, this is like, this is lame, you know? So here I am, okay, like open up God's Word, prayer experience, check, did that one. You know, like, you know, confess your sins, check, did that one. You know, next one, like you like look into a mirror and uh, okay, check, cool, creative, you know? So here I am, check, check, check you know, with my awful attitude. And then I get to this one experience where there's uh, a number of men and women standing around and you're to walk up to them. And I walk up to the person who's their junior high pastor and he literally looked 14 years old. He looked like a child. <laughs> and, and so I walk up to this guy. He puts a hand on my shoulder. And with his hand on my shoulder, the point of it was for him to just start declaring truth over me. And he starts by saying this phrase, may you know. And every time I start sharing this story, and if I think about back to that time, 
Like I, I get emotional for some reason. And so he puts a hand on my shoulder. He says, Jeff, may you know that your heavenly father loves you. May you know that he delights in you. May you know that you are his. May you know that there's nothing, nothing that you can do that would separate his love between you and him. May you know that you're seen. May you know that it's, and he just goes. And I'm just in tears. I'm in tears. Because this truth is being spoken over me. The truth that is reflectant and accurate in this book. You may need to live out a may you know moment with somebody. Whether it's a friend, whether it's somebody in this church, whether it's a coworker, parents, try this with your kids. May you know. You may also be on the flip side of it to where you need to hear that. May you know. May you know. And know that God will use you and the ability to utter, as Rema says, the ability to utter, to speak his truth. To speak his truth. To speak freedom. To speak life into people. Do not shortchange on how God will want to use you and what it looked like. Do not miss the opportunity. Do not miss the moment when God is doing something to you or speaking to you through somebody else. Don't miss it. Let's close in prayer. And I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.